Hello and welcome to another extra small episode of Save Station Radio. So small, so small. Where, of course, this week we will be talking about Pikmin 2. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me is Cotter. Hello there. And before we get to the meat of the episode, we have some housekeeping things to talk about. On my end for this recording, I am in a different location than normal, and as such, there might be some noise interferences and technological things that are really annoying on my end. Hopefully you won't hear them in the main episode. I don't know, but uh, just be aware of that. And also, we need to uh, pour one out for the original version of this episode, because this is the second time we are recording the Pikmin 2 review, because my computer ate the first episode whole. It was hungry. What can we say? Uh, so, unfortunately, this is the second recording, and as such, if we forget details or do something like that, we, we probably talked about it in the first recording. Don't add us. Uh, do add us. Tell us what is missing. No, don't. At uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like i said pikmin 2 originally released on the gamecube on august 30th 2004 uh it was once again like the first game had a wii re-release in north america on june 10th 2012 strangely enough that wii release actually released earlier in europe on april 24th 2009 and then once again that wii version was released on the wii u eShop. On March 30th, 2017. Yeah, some interesting notes about this is obviously the the United States didn't get and the North American territories didn't get the Wii version of Pikmin 2 until three years after everybody else, which is kind of wild. It's also, like we mentioned previously, part of the new play control lineup, uh, but it only has a Nintendo Selects printing. So it has the red border on the cover. Just if you're looking to get it and you're like, oh, I don't want the Nintendo Selects one. That's the only version that they ever printed. So too bad. Weirdly launched there. Yeah. Um, Also, June 10th, 2012 was like a month or two around the Wii U's launch. (laughs) So not to say that people were rushing out to buy a Wii U, but, you know, that might have been where the focus was. So it's a little late. They weren't exactly playing the Wii then either. (laughs) This this poor series can't help but launch on platforms when they're already dead or they're already not popular. It's it's kind of wild. Well, yeah, because then when they put the Wii version on the Wii U Virtual Console, or I guess just on the eShop there, they did so on March 30th, 2017, which was the end of the launch month for the Switch. <laughs> yep. Yeah, think about that. Everybody was playing Breath of the Wild. <laughs> like. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's wild. And then, I mean, its best window was the GameCube in 2004, but uh, just to jump into sales figures, which we don't normally do. It is important to note, though, the GameCube also not exactly setting the world of files sales-wise. No, it did not sell super well, and this was already kind of a niche franchise because it's a RTS, which is kind of a niche genre to, even today, but it's not like a hardcore one. It's like this weird mix, and then also adding to it is the advertisements which uh for i found some report that this game had a four million dollar ad budget um Oof. which is about four times as many dollars as copies sold of the game <laughs> it's kind of wild because i i'll link a link to the like tv ads that played uh they're not very good <laughs> at least the ones in the states are really bad 
Yeah, they are a special kind of atrocious. They're not that like fun, you know, early mascotty like crap talking, you know, fun fun advertisements. They're 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 just kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. I'll put a link in the description if you want to see how bad they are. But it, when you watch them, you could be like, oh, I can understand why these games did not sell well. They were not represented well. Uh huh. It sold about 1.12 million. Uh, the first on GameCube, the first game sold about 1.6 million, which is not stellar numbers, but passable. Um, and then the Wii version sold about half of each. Once again, developed by Nintendo EAD, so internally developed again. Um, why don't you run us through some some facts about its development? Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is going to be basically kind of what changed between Pikmin 1 and 2 because there were some criticisms of the first game that they then took steps to change for the second one, for better or worse. The main one being the 30-day time limit that the first game had is just removed in this one. The structure here, rather than Olimar crashing and losing, is going to die in 30 days for his life support. Uh, this one, you're trying to pay off your boss's debt uh so you go back to the pikmin planet to recover a bunch of treasure uh you and your buddy louie um we'll get more into that in a second but you have as many days as you need to do that this was partially done out of feedback for the stress that the 30-day limit put which to be fair we also mentioned in the first game in the first episode but it was also in response that the first game was too short um, I think we said it was about like, what, six to eight hours, the first game. That sounds right. Um, if you didn't know what you're doing, if you do know what you're doing, it can be about half that. So this was meant to give you more time to explore, therefore extending the length that you could be playing the game and therefore just extending the length of the game, making you feel like you got more bang for your buck, I guess. Also introduced in this game is the caves which are these procedurally generated dungeons that you can go into and pick up treasure throughout the cave until you get to the end and you can escape with it. The interesting thing about these caves is that they don't have a time limit at all. Uh, the overworld still uses the same day-night cycle. Uh, you just don't have a limit on how many cycles you go through. Uh, when you're in the cave, that cycle does not apply. So you can spend as long as you want inside a dungeon without worrying about running out of time. The caves also were a step to make the game a little less strategy and planning focused and a little more action oriented, um, just to give it more wide appeal than just like strategy fans. I think they wanted to just open it to more action fans. So the caves were meant to just be like an isolated challenge, and then they added more bosses to those. So just to kind of widen the appeal there as well. We'll see how that turned out as we go along. Right, makes sense. If you listened to the last episode, which I hope you did, um, you will know that in terms of personal history with these games, I don't have any. This is my first time playing these. Uh, but you do. So why don't you tell us about your experience with Pikmin 2? Yeah, so uh, the first game I had the experience of watching the trailer in Luigi's Mansion then renting it from the library. This one was kind of similar. I had rented the first game several times and I just rented the second one just kind of on a whim. Uh, maybe it was the only one there. I can't actually exactly remember, but I remember playing like the opening level a little bit and then not 
really renting it anymore. If I were to go back, I would rent the first game and that was about it. Um, it wasn't until many years later when I was gifted the Wii version of the game after I was already a huge Pikmin fan. <laughs> and uh, I tried to play the second second game on Wii. I uh, was not crazy into it, but I got decently far, um, but ended up putting it down. And then it wasn't until a couple years ago when I actually went and 100%ed the entire game. Cool. Shout out to uh, libraries. <laughs> yes, libraries are the top 10. Yeah, so then let's uh let's talk about this Pikmin. Um basic uh you know control stuff. It, it's very similar to the first game. Oh, I guess we should mention the versions we played. I once again played the Wii version of this game. Uh the new play control version. Well, you played the GameCube version, correct? Yes. This was uh the first time I fully played the GameCube version. I didn't 100% it for this review, um which we'll get into why that is and why it wants you to do that <laughs> but i just didn't have the time for it so i uh i just got to the end of this game but yeah i played the gamecube version for this review yeah and, and again for for a general overview of gameplay go listen to uh the first pikmin episode because it is very similar so i don't think we need to go over that stuff again uh but just to talk about the new stuff that are added we did get two new types of pikmin we got uh, white Pikmin and purple Pikmin, and uh, these guys have different functions. The white Pikmin are now, um, they, they are immune to poison, so there'll be poisonous areas where uh, they, they will not get harmed by that. Um, and then the purple Pikmin can carry up to 10 Pikmin's worth of weight for each one of them, um, so you can use a lot less of them. There are also now items that weigh more than 100 Pikmin, so, um, so they are quite useful. Yeah, uh, some additions also for these, the white Pikmin, just specifically for like combat purposes, the white Pikmin, if they are eaten by a creature, will poison that creature and deal more damage upon their death, which can be useful. Uh, and the purple Pikmin, if you manage to throw above their head and have them slam on top of them, then they can stun the enemy for a period, uh, which allows you to get a lot more damage in before they wake out of it, so... Yes. They're both pretty useful. Uh, the main thing is that they don't have onions to themselves, onions being the little motherships that they can spawn out of. Uh, the only way to get white and purple Pikmin is inside the dungeons and throwing a different Pikmin into a candy pot bud and turning them into either white or pick purple Pikmins. Uh, so they can yes. be kind of rare to find. You're not going to just be farming them unless you deliberately go out of your way to do so, but they can be extremely useful when they are there. Yes, uh, some other littler changes that they made. Um, they now gave yellow Pikmin, I think, more more purpose in terms of puzzle solving and elemental ways. Um, there's now lightning in the game, and yellow Pikmin are now immune to that. Uh, they, they took away the bombs from the first game, so now their job isn't to carry those anymore. Now it's about the, uh, the sort of lightning that uh, enemies will have. Uh, in addition to still being able to be thrown higher than the others. Yes. And then I think the blue and red are pretty much the same as they were in the first game, right? 
Yep, I believe they are identical. So those are kind of the major on-the-surface changes. Of course, we mentioned the dungeons, which we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, is there any other sort of changes we should mention? Oh, we have there's a new captain along with you. So now you have two playable captains, meaning you can split your squad into two um, and be in two different places at once, which is... Uh, you know, which is cool and, and feels like a thing a sequel should do. Yeah, it's interesting because you would think this adds a lot more like strategy to the planning. But like we mentioned with just the brief development, this game is less about planning deliberately. Uh, the other thing that kind of hinders that is you can't control, you can't have them do things autonomously. You have to be in direct control of each of them. So you can't have one, uh, one captain kind of pointed to go back to the ship or whatever you just uh you have to let them sit there and then control them when you have a break with one captain so it kind of cuts the the planning element down with those in a way that makes it seem less like less useful than i think it should be well since we're tiptoeing into it let's 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 get into the meat and talk about the review yeah, and and I'll start with um, sort of our general, just general thoughts on the game. Uh, th- this game really feels like it is. This is something I said during our first recording, and I stand by it. Where it feels like it is a game that takes two steps forwards, one step back, and then one step to the left in terms of quality. Where it's a game that I think overall, while I was playing it, I was enjoying more than the first game. But when I look at the whole thing as a whole. I think it has some problems, and I end up kind of coming out more positive on the first game, if that makes sense. It's kind of a weird feeling that I have with this game, that it just doesn't... It's it's the structure of it I don't like as much, and it's just a couple of those kind of aspects that I, I feel like I wish they had just refined what they had in the first game instead of trying to change it up completely. And, and I find that I'm just at a weird place with this one. Where I, I enjoyed my time with it, I didn't hate it, but also I didn't love it as much as I feel like I should, considering it's a sequel to a game that I thought had a lot of promising ideas. Uh, yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of those same sentiments, because the first Pikmin game is one of my all-time favorites, uh, mostly out of nostalgia, I will admit, but I am just a huge fan of that game's tone and style. Uh, this one, the tone and style is definitely still there, and I love the sense of world that this game has with um its product placement (laughs) this game has overt product placement for irl like products uh just to give you a real sense of scale that this is earth and that these are very small creatures um which i love that detail but there is something about the tone that feels a little bit more like mechanical and just not as uh, not as cozy as the first game, if that makes sense. Yes. And, and I think a lot of that's just down to the new structure um, of this game, which is less so... In the first game, you, you get to a new area, and it would be this kind of larger space that you'd explore, and then you'd go find ship parts in there, and you'd have to think about how you're going to get the ship parts back, and how you're going to get to the ship parts, and defeat enemies along the way. This time around, you get to these areas that uh, you know kind of resemble the first game's areas, but now they are more like hub worlds to get you to the dungeons. And the dungeons are kind of the main gameplay of this game. It's it's kind of more about funneling you to these randomly generated areas um, where you go down floor by floor until you complete the dungeons. 
And I think that's what we're talking about, where this game just, it, it kind of loses a bit of its charm. I think the random generatedness is part of that. I, I think these, these hub worlds kind of being designed to funnel you to them is part of that. Um, it, it just, it feels lesser, I guess, than the first game, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think it's that because of that structure and kind of the increased difficulty, this game is a lot hard. Like you will have to be thinking about your the mechanics a lot more than the first game. It makes it definitely feel more video gamey than the first one, which is not inherently a bad thing, but does kind of take away from this game's charm. Um, not enough to like completely make it not charming, but um, it definitely makes the first one stand out in my mind more. But yeah, I am definitely a far bigger fan of the first game than this one. But that's not to say that this one is bad, you know? Yes, and I agree. It's not a bad game by any means. Well, why don't you give me your opinions on the dungeons then themselves? Like the just like overall. Um, they're a neat addition because they really do kind of force you to work with what you have. Uh, once you enter a cave, you have only those Pikmin that you brought in with you and you can't get any more aside from like a couple exceptions, which is like a weird situation that we'll explain in spoiler territories. Um, but you're basically just stuck with what you bring in and you have to either make it to a halfway point where there is an escape or make it to the end where there's an escape um, otherwise you leave prematurely and you don't actually take anything with you. So you're going in to find where like 90% of this game's treasures are in caves. So you're going to be going in there to complete the main objective and they are just a little bit more distant. You know, they're, re they're randomly generated hallways and corridors with enemies and stuff. And they're all built around a central theme, but they do, they're not, they're deliberately not handcrafted so they they definitely have a different feel to them yeah and that's honestly my biggest issue with it is i i last time i praised i love you know being a small thing in a normal world i think that it's that's a really fun thing um in general and i love that about the first game and i like that about the sort of hub areas in this game uh but the dungeons kind of wrecked that because they are render, render randomly generated so it's like cool i'm in this one that's themed like I don't know, a, a, a kitchen, right? And But it doesn't look like a kitchen. <laughs> it just has some elements that kind of go, yeah, I guess it's a kitchen. And it's like, it, it just doesn't feel quite as cool. And they don't have a sense of place either because sometimes you go down a floor and it's this huge empty field and it's like, this doesn't practically make any sense, which, yeah, it's a video game where you throw plants at frogs and it's not meant to make 100% sense, but it kind of undercuts some of the world building that this game does. Yeah, I mean, you say that, though, but the first game did. The first game does feel like those environments could, you know, inside of the realm of this universe exist, right? They do feel naturalistic in that fun way that I, I feel like this game just doesn't. This is kind of a case of a step forward and a step back because the caves are, like, very much a step back from that. But the overworlds are a step forward because they are actual just environments. Like, if you look at the map of the area with the textures and stuff, you can tell that these are like legitimate areas. The first one, the uh, Valley of Repose being a street with like a manhole cover and asphalt and paint on it and 
like you can see that in the world and you can make sort of like a sense of scale for yourself. And I think that is a step forward, but then the caves are a step back. So it feels very disjointed from above ground and below ground. Yeah. And I do want to just to say something positive about the caves. I, I think they're a good idea if they had been used less. Like I would have loved to see this game have maybe two more open areas and all the open areas be a lot bigger and then you know each open area have like two caves i feel like that could have been interesting and could have been like a you know way to differentiate the gameplay there but because this whole game is caves it just it kind of dominates the experience in a way that i did not love personally that being said i could see people loving it like it's not inherently bad as we said earlier but it is preference wise i just do not prefer it yeah, and there's tons of fans that think this is the best in the series. Like, this is where the series peaks, which I can totally see, and I can totally see why people adore this game, but uh, it's not the one for me. And I acknowledge that that is mostly personal preference. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about that tone you were mentioning, though, um, because I, this is a point where we differ, because I actually really like this game's tone. Um, I think it is just even more silly than the first game was and i really appreciate that i love the opening cutscene. Uh, i think it's adorable um i am a, i am a fan of a certain captain that you are not a that we discovered in the first episode <laughs> uh, i love the premise of this game that olivar's company is going out of business the second he arrives and they're like they like repose his ship <laughs> they're like get back out there and get his treasure <laughs> like i think it's also fun and and cute uh, and, and the treasure, I love just being trash and licensed trash at that, where it's like, you found a Coke bottle cap <laughs> it's, and it's worth this much. You found, um, you know, you found this can and it's worth this much. Like it's, I, I find it all very adorable in that way. Yeah. I, I definitely see that. It's just like when you, when you first start the game, you're right. You get, you, this is following the end of the first game, which I guess kind of spoilers is you escaped the planet obviously because olimar's in this game uh you get back to your boss and they immediately sell your ship to pay off the boss's debt and then he's like all right <laughs> here's a different ship you go with this captain louis and you go back to the planet to get more treasure so that you can pay off the debt but it's like so heartbreaking because you spent the entire first game rebuilding the ship <laughs> and then they immediately just sell it out from underneath you it's so funny <laughs> It's funny, but, like, I'm so upset. I'm still upset about it. There's, like, sentimental value to that ship. If you read the, like, descriptions in the first game, some of those parts are, like, gifts from his kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they just sell it. And it's all it's all Louis's fault. I'm blaming Louis 100%. Louis didn't do anything wrong. Louis's just he trying did. to live his life. He's the reason you're in debt. He was going with a shipment of golden carrots, and he lost them. And then that was what put you in debt. Saying there were probably there were probably other factors there. I mean, I believe they do say it's like space bunnies that stole them, but like, still. Yeah, Come Louis on, Louis. Lu look, Lu Lu Louis. Louis got some issues. Just let, just leave him be. All right, <laughs> leave him be. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I, when I mean tone, I, I just really mean like sort of the art style and how things are designed. Um, and, and you know the few the few scenes you get. Um, you get letters from the president of the company every day that passes, and it, that's in itself an evolving narrative that is incredibly fun. Yeah, where he's on the run from the loan sharks. <laughs> it's, it's really good. 
So that's the stuff I'm talking about. Uh, I, you know, I, I will say an agreement. I think the randomly generated dungeons don't do it any favor because then you kind of lose some of that sense of place and some of that um, sense of fun. Uh, but I, I do like all the enemies here this time around. Again, uh, some new ones, but a lot of returning ones. I think they're all great. I like the new Pikmin. I find the, the new white Pikmin to be incredibly disturbing. I think they're very cute. They're my favorites. Mostly because when I first booted up the game, it, it does this cute thing where it'll give you like a random, it, the Nintendo logo will pop up and it'll give you a random treatment of it every time with different Pikmin hanging out on it and doing different stuff to it. Um, and the first one I, I got was just a single white Pikmin <laughs> staring, at staring, staring at you with these glowing red eyes. <laughs> like, this is creepy. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoy the new Pikmin. I, I like the purple ones a lot. I love just how they smash down like there's there's an uh, acuteness to that that i i'm a big fan of their intro cutscene where they're a sumo wrestler yeah yeah and this game overall i think it's just weird too and i and i like the weirdness of it you know some stuff we'll talk about in spoilers and, and things like that but yeah I, I i really had a good time with that stuff you know what it is and it's coming to me almost just in real time about this game's tone is it really does not feel as lonely as the first game and I think that's something that I appreciated about the first one was you are truly, mm. you're truly alone with your group of Pikmin just fending against the environment. Whereas this one, you have a second captain, obviously, but you also have what I think is probably my least favorite thing in this entire game is you have the ship and the ship talks constantly. <laughs> the ship does talk a lot. It talks like every tutorial that it could right out to you whereas the first game did a good example of letting you kind of figure it out and then when you do it's almost like olimar figured it out and he's like i should write about this and then he kind of explains a little bit more detail but you did it first whereas this one it's like oh here's what you do here's how these things work and it's talking to you constantly and there's so much dialogue with the ship where it just feels like it feels less like you're exploring the planet and more like you're dominating it, which is a very different tone to the first one. Yeah, I, I will say the ship, I think, in itself also just isn't a, a good enough character. Like, I, I kind of forgot about it <laughs> until you mentioned it just now, which we I think says a lot. We didn't bring it up in the first cut of this episode. Yeah, and it's a character that talks all the time, and I just was like, oh, yeah, okay, okay oh, yeah. Like, like its dialogue just isn't that memorable. It's because it's mostly compared tutorials. Compared to, like, you know, the boss who's sending you letters and stuff like like the, a lot of the other tone in, in the game is is much more interesting yeah um just st- stuff about the difficulty i honestly did not notice this game being more difficult than the first game part of that is because i'm just willing to reset uh, whatever i want so <laughs> that might just be part of it yeah and in some regards this game is more forgiving because with that in mind um when you're in a cave it actually saves in between each floor so you can redo each floor until you master it to perfection. So, you know, if you lose a bunch of Pikmin in one go, it's not like, oh man, I'm out of Pikmin for the rest of the dungeon. So I have to really play this carefully. It's like, okay, well, I lost a bunch of Pikmin. Let me just reset the console, play that floor again where I don't do it. And then I'll be better off for the rest of it. So um, that's where it's a little forgiving, I think. Yeah, totally. And then also I do feel like there's less cheapness in this game. I mean, there's some instances where if you don't know what a thing is, it could just wipe out your entire party. But, like, um, overall, I feel like things are communicated better. And I feel like the Pikmin are smarter. In the first game, I had a lot of instances where I'd be, like, you know, walking next to a cliff, not 
right next to it, but around the vicinity. And then I look around and half my Pikmin would be off the edge, drowning in water. Um, and I, I just didn't have moments like that in this game. Uh, I feel like they're just smarter overall, um, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, the the squad AI has been improved slightly. Not to the point where stuff like that won't happen, but it will happen less often. Which kind of addresses my biggest complaint with the first game, honestly. Um, and, and then I didn't have, and granted, part of it's because you just do it less, but I didn't have issues where, like, in the first game I had it, problems where I would have Pikmin carrying an item back to the ship, and then they would take a stupid path to the ship that was longer than a cleared path I had had for them. Um, and that happened enough in the first game to where it just got annoying. Uh, this time around, I never felt like I had that. I always felt like they took the optimal path. And again, maybe that's just because you do less of the, <laughs> you know, little open worldy bits than the dungeons this time around. So I'm not sure what, what that one is. But um, overall, I did feel like it was a smoother experience when it did happen, at least. Yeah. Um, and it could also just be the, like level design having almost a critical path to follow where there's not going to be a whole lot of like alternate weird paths that they could take. It's like, okay, well we have this optimal path and that's kind of the one you already did. So there's some exceptions to that, but still. I, I, I do agree that it is, it isn't used to its fullest capacity, but I do appreciate having two, uh, two captains on the field. If only to speed things up even a little bit, like leaving one behind with the ship. So when you're bringing back other elements for the Pikmin to create new Pikmin, you know, it's easier to get them back to you. It's yeah, you're right. It's not as useful as it could be. Again, this game opts for a system where you, you can't kind of just let things play out with the captains. You can't just send them on tasks um, because you are directly controlling them. So, you know, it's not like the only other RTS that exists, Halo Wars and Halo Wars 2 uh, that I played <laughs> that, uh, that you know kind of allow you to set tasks for different units to go do you you still have to directly control the captains so so it isn't quite as useful as it should be but i do still appreciate the addition because i did find some use out of it to make things more efficient yeah that's right louie you're just pikmin babysitter whatever that was olimar <laughs> olimar's doing things he's he's calling Where's the shots guy? Lou, <laughs> louie just babysits the pikmin yeah um i guess we could mention there are sort of upgrades you can find later on in the game. Those are kind of late game. We don't really need to mention what they do, but you can upgrade basic things about your character uh, through items later on. Yeah, like um, making you immune to certain hazards, like fire and electricity, um, making making your whistle bigger, making you walk faster, increasing your melee damage. Little things uh, like a flashlight (laughs) or just make dark areas brighter. I will say, in my experience, they were definitely little things. I, I didn't really feel like they changed too much for me. Yeah, I mean, it can be useful sometimes when you have, like, the Scorch Guard, which protects you from fire, and then you have to go through a fire hazard. Like, most of the time, you're just going to b- push a bunch of red Pikmin at it so that it you break it, and then you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. is like That's another like little change they made, is now Pikmin can destroy those kinds of hazards. So, like, Oftentimes I'm like, well, I'm never putting myself there anyway because I've got Pikmin to take care of it. Yeah, so if you're dealing with enemies, then it can maybe come up, but like not always. Plus, if you get hit with a big like fire attack, you're going to be worried about your Pikmin, not your own health. So it's like, okay, it's cool. But the main thing about these upgrades is that they are only found in specific caves. And since the main goal of this game is to just pay off the debt by 
getting as much treasure as possible. You're going to go in caves, but a lot of them are can be just straight up skipped. Like the structure of this game really lends it to by the time you get to the credits, you've basically played about half of the game's content, which I really like. Which is super cool, yeah. Yeah. It's just it feels like it wants you to 100% it. It does, for a game that I was complaining about kind of funneling you into doing these dungeons, um, it does make it feel a lot more open and a lot more like... Like, there are instances where I go into a dungeon and go, you know what, this one, I don't, I'm not feeling this one. This one's too hard. And because of the structure, it let me do that and just go to other, other dungeons and pay off the debt that way. It felt like there was a lot more choice in the gameplay yeah, for I mean, that if reason. You, if you really wanted to, you could just not collect a single piece of treasure and just farm enemy corpses in a dungeon forever it's not yeah. gonna be fun but you could that doesn't sound like fun but <laughs> no yes. it's not so if you do want a specific upgrade um say you just really want that knapsack which allows your character to just take a nap which could be useful because it lets the pikmin pick you up and carry you back to the ship uh, autonomously which could be cool um if you just really want that you have to already know where it is which for you wondering is in the white flower garden but like you're not going to know that on your first playthrough so you're most likely just going to stumble upon upgrades which is kind of neat but like you're not going to be able to seek them out yeah and and i I could see that being annoying on repeat playthroughs for me i I liked just being like oh i guess there's an upgrade here it was kind of fun um to do that uh this game has a lot more boss fights in it and i liked those (laughs) There's a lot more boss fights. Some returning, like the you fight the final boss from Pikmin 1 again, twice, or three times if you're going for 100%. The burrowing snagrits, the birds from the first game return, the, um, and then some of the others are also um, like returning bosses. But there is a lot, a lot of new ones. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I really, really enjoyed that, actually. Um and I feel like a lot of that too came down to like actually to to once again gives a little bit of praise to the dungeons. They always come after you've done you've done a dungeon, which means you'll be down some Pikmin, which I feel like forced more critical thinking on how to take them down instead of just throwing them at it, which I, I actually did end up enjoying quite a bit, and I did end up in uh, getting quite a bit of satisfaction from beating these bosses. Yeah, some of them aren't as much of a war of attrition as the first game's bosses, so. Yeah, uh, I feel like they were honestly better um, most yeah, of the time. Yeah, they're way better, including some of the returning ones. I feel like they just add some a little bit of change to them that's not very appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about the dungeons, though, is that if you do want to do it all in one go, you're going to be like resetting the console to optimize how many Pikmin you lose. Otherwise... There's a very useful trick that you can do that I found out when I was doing this game the first time. So when you first get to a dungeon on the overworld, you have to have your whole squad there with both captains or one captain, but it's only going to take whatever Pikmin is in that active squad. So if you have Olimar with 100 Pikmin and then Louis back at the ship, then it's going to take those 100 Pikmin. called them 100 Pikmin? I called them pikmin what did these okay. pikmin do to you <laughs> they they did nothing wrong jesus <laughs> as a f- uh, fumble of the tongue i'm sorry um i'm sorry you little guys they're gonna they're gonna you better watch it they're gonna be flung at you and then carry yeah. your corpse and then they're gonna make new ones out of you uh-oh little um, pricks <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> 
So if if Louis has fifty and Olimar has fifty and Olimar goes into a cave, it'll bring Louis, but it won't bring his fifty Pikmin. This does not apply when you're in a dungeon. Uh, once you're in a cave, if you find the hole to the next floor, then it just takes all of the Pikmin that are in both squads. So, oh. so what you can do is say you've already found all the treasure on a floor in a previous run and you're just trying to get down to the bottom and you're like, okay, I already did this floor. You could just have one captain sit with all the Pikmin by the spawn and you can have the other captain just run straight to the exit and jump in the hole. Oh, that's useful. I did not know that. Yeah, so you can basically just skip floors entirely if you want to using that strategy. Oh. Okay. Let's talk about the music. I feel like this game, in our initial recording, I was like, I, I like the music. And then I realized through our conversation that actually this game kind of became a podcast game for me, so I was really only half listening to the music most of the time. <laughs> Which is fair. And then when I was getting music for th- for the final edit for this episode, I was like, okay, I, I can see why this isn't as good as the first one. Because it was, it was something we came to while we were talking about it. We were like, no, it's not as good. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know what? I actually see your point actually now. Yeah. Um, I think the overall themes are pretty good. I don't think they fully live up to the first game soundtrack, which I adore. Um, but they're they're not bad. Uh, some of the cave music is pretty good, and some of it is just straight up bad. <laughs> like, I really don't like some of the cave music. It's just random noises at some points which is eerie in some case but like it's just kind of nonsense in others so it's interesting though because this game included the talents of kazumi tataka which i don't believe he worked on the first game he started working it on this game if you don't know he's done so much work on Nintendo games. He has an infamous Totaka song that he hides in every game he's worked on, uh, which is like a 19 note melody that hides in every game he's worked, which it actually appears in Pikmin 2 twice, which is cool. The second one was only discovered in like 2019, which is insane. Yeah. I actually remember that. Um, when was the, where's the first one? Uh, the first one is, uh, I believe it's on like one of the results screens. If you just wait for like several minutes, then it appears. Oh, very cool. The second one appears if you get through a floor in a dungeon, but don't have a memory card plugged in. Oh, interesting. Then, then when it prompts you to save, it won't. It'll have different like it'll have a different screen, and then he hit it like a couple minutes into that screen. <laughs> So that's why it took people forever to figure it out because everyone just has a memory card plugged in all the time. <laughs> I love that. That's so much fun. Yeah, so it's weird that I don't like the soundtrack because I like a lot of his work. He worked on the Animal Crossing series, most notably. He worked on the Luigi's Mansion and Link's Awakening and like a bunch of other stuff. So like, I don't know. Maybe his it, he wasn't the sole composer. Maybe some of his compositions are the ones I liked, but... Yeah, not I mean, thr- not throwing too much shade, but yeah, can't nail them all. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before spoilers? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think I think I covered it. Cool. Then let's move on and talk about some spoilers.
Yo, what's up with those little bug Pikmin guys? <laughs> ah, yes, the Bulbman. The Bulbman. I, uh... I, that, that was a very fun moment for me playing this game when I found those guys. <laughs> yeah, the Bulbman are... You can find an adult Bulbman, which is a... Looks like just kind of a smaller... In between a, a small bulb orb and a big one. It's kind of in the middle, but it has a leaf growing out of its head. And these only appear in dungeons. And if you don't have 100 Pikmin in your squad, then they will be followed by a bunch of Pikmin-sized Bulbmen. And once you kill the big one, then you can whistle those ones into your squad and have, like, increase your numbers that way. Uh, that's basically the only way to get more Pikmin when inside of a cave. The main thing about it is you can't take them out of the cave. So once you get to an escape, then they are left behind. So if you want to, you know, actually keep your numbers up, you can throw them in a candy pop bud and then turn them into another type that will actually leave. But you might not want to do that because the Bulbmen are immune to everything. <laughs> they can go underwater. They're immune to fire. They're immune to electricity. They're immune to poison. They're about as strong as the red Pikmin. They still carry just one. They're not overpowered like the purple Pikmin. But yeah, for any type of hazard, they're going to be very useful. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're very funny, very very good. Um, also, real quick, I should have talked about this before spoilers, but this reminded me of it. Uh, I still think troop selection in this game sucks. I'm kind of disappointed they didn't sort it out for this. Selecting a specific troop, it's still annoying. It still doesn't work as well as it should. Um, whistling to separate all the groups, which now in this case is five to six separate Pikmin groups, still is clunky. And doesn't work 100% of the time. It's it's kind of wild. Um, I will say that they added the... This was a feature in the Wii version of the first game where you would hold a Pikmin in your hand and then you push a button to swap which one that is. Uh, that wasn't in the GameCube version of the first game, but it is included in the GameCube version of the second. So that was much appreciated. But yeah, you're right. It is still frustrating to pick a specific one and then keep that squad organized and... Just give me a weapon wheel. Just give me a Horizon Zero Dawn style weapon wheel where it slows down the gameplay and I can just select the one I want. It'll just keep me in that type till I've used them up. Like, that's that's what I need. <laughs> anyway, enough complaining about that. Uh, sorry, I had to get it out. <laughs> yeah, the bold men are very funny. Um, I wish I had seen them more than just the once. I, and I wish there was a little bit more stuff like that, but it was a very entertaining thing for me. <laughs> Let's talk about the end game a little bit. Since you have done that, you didn't really do too much of it this time, right? Uh, I did not touch the post game in this version, in this run through, but I have done it before. I dabbled in it. I explored. They give you a new final like area to go explore, which is cool. Um, it is a very expansive post game, which is really neat if you really enjoy the gameplay. Yeah, like I said, once you reach the credits, that's basically like half the content. <laughs> Yeah, and it was a good amount of content. Like, I felt it was a good length. Like, I enjoyed the experience enough. Uh, I didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome or was too short. So, you know, giving more for players who want to stick around and, and do more is, is really neat. Uh, but you have done the, the post-game content before, right? Yes, yeah, so I have 100%ed this game before. The way, once you pay off the debt, um, then you unlock a fourth overworld known as the Wistful Wild. And inside the Wistful Wild is three caves. They are the Cavern of Chaos, the Hole of Heroes, and the Dream Den. And they are 
the hardest caves in the entire game. Uh, the Cavern of Chaos is 10 floors. Normally they're about like five to seven. 10 is a little bit on the long side, but it's, um, it's not super long. This one is 10 floors and it is almost nothing but had hazards. <laughs> <laughs> um, they will, they do my least favorite thing that they do where they just drop bombs everywhere, sometimes directly on your squad, causing you to just panic and try and move out of the way. Uh, there's blow hogs everywhere. There's these annoying guys that are, have balloons that will just throw bombs at you. It is a nightmare. The next one, the whole of heroes is almost nothing, but it's 15 floors. It's almost nothing but enemies. And then when it's not enemies, it is the, uh, a rematch against pretty much every boss from every other dungeon. <laughs> aside from the giant bread bug and the water wraith. So just a boss gauntlet. It's basically just a gauntlet and it is 15 floors long. <laughs> Oof. There are only 13 treasures in this. So there's two floors that don't have treasures. So I guess you technically could do that skip that I said earlier, where you just kind of run. Um, but they put the exits behind walls. Usually uh, the dream den, the final one is, uh, 14 levels. It is the second longest dungeon in the game. It is also uh, mostly enemies <laughs> and hazards. There are no bulbmen at all, so you can't increase your numbers at all. And then at the end is the final boss against the Titan Dweevil. And the Titan Dweevil can do elemental attacks of every element <laughs> and do large sweeping attacks and is takes forever to kill. Um, but is ultimately a very satisfying fight. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, I love that they include stuff like that for the dedicated players. And again, I just love that that structure of like, yeah, there's like twice as much game if you want it. I, and I think that's that's always that's always a neat thing. Yeah, and it leads into it because once you pay off the debt, you leave and head home, but you actually just drop Louie <laughs> behind Poor you. Poor Louie. I do feel a little bit bad for him when you leave him behind on the planet <laughs> he's uh he's exploring in the credits though it's very cute it's very cute but when you decide to go back for the post game you bring the president as your second squad member <laughs> and yes, you do. uh when you get to the final floor of the dream den you find louis on top of the titan dweevil and then at the end you rescue him and you put him in the uh in the treasure hold and I'm going to pause here real quick just to see how much he's worth specifically because it's not much. Oh, Louie. Louie. Uh, while you're doing that, you also get a gold rocket ship when you when you get the initial amount of treasure, which begs the question, if you if you spent all that money on the gold rocket ship, do we need to get that much? Hmm? CEO man? Huh? What's up? You garbage sold my ship. <laughs> Yeah, well, again, while you're doing that, I, I once again love the letters from from the boss, uh, that evolving narrative of he's on the run from uh, from debt collectors and he's, he's under a bridge at one point. It's very entertaining. All the writing there is great. Maybe he's not worth anything. That's not true. <laughs> Maybe he's literally actually worthless. <laughs> All right. What was your favorite dungeon? My favorite dungeon, 
uh, is probably a tie between the Glutton's Kitchen or the Submerged Castle. Yeah, Glutton's Kitchen was my favorite. Um, just theming wise, I think it's 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 strong. The theme is strong. Um, I I really like the last boss fight. It's uh, the best way to damage him is to use the purple Pikmin and have them land on top of him, or you can like you have to like win a tug of war. Yeah, so this is against the giant bread bug. Uh, the bread bug was also in the first game uh, as the guy that would steal your items. You would drag him away, but if you win the tug of war against him, you actually drag him back to the hold. And if he gets sucked up against the ship, then he gets damaged quite a bit. So the boss, you just have to do that a couple times with the different items. It's it's a fun fight. Yeah, it's cool. But like you said, the theming's great. All the items you can, all the treasures you pick up are like kitchen items or food or like you could fry, find a fried egg. Yeah, a bunch of goofy stuff like that. And then the submerged, uh, the search castle is when I went in and then just immediately left. <laughs> so I was like, nope. But it's a unique one because you have to go in with only blue Pikmin because the entrance is underwater. Which is, which is cool uh, and unique. Um, but it is also one where a giant unkillable enemy follows you around the whole time. Yeah, that is the Water Wraith. Uh, if you spend more than five minutes on a single floor, then he'll ap- appear. He's just like a blob on some steamroller wheels. And he will just roll over your entire squad if you're not paying attention. Uh, so it becomes kind of a race against the clock to try and pick up as many pieces of treasure as you can before he appears. Or once he does, you can bail the area and then maybe leave treasure behind. Uh, once you get to the bottom of the the cave, you find what, the one thing he's weak against, which is purple Pikmin, and you have to uh, you get some purple candy pop buds to finally take him down. Um, once you do take him down, uh, you get one of the best items in the game, <laughs> and that is the plecophone. Yes, this sounded incredibly useful. Yeah, so the Pluckaphone is a upgrade to your whistle that you whistle at a squad of buried Pikmin, like planted ones, and it automatically just plucks them. So it makes plucking like extremely easy, <laughs> um, almost just trivial because you just never have to do it anymore. And then against some enemies like the Mamudas, which can whack your Pikmin underground just like replant them it becomes almost a non-issue because you could just whistle them back up so it's pretty overpowered you obviously have to do a pretty tough uh, cave to get it but and you might not know that it's there <laughs> at all your first run through but um very useful this actually uh in my some of my research was a thing that was planned for the first game but they thought it made the game too easy, so they cut it. Um, so they just brought it back as an upgrade for this game. The only other one of note for me was the shower one, because that's weird. The shower room. The shower-themed dungeon. Yeah, probably my favorite dungeon theme in the game. Really? The music theme, yeah. Oh, the music, yeah. yeah. Um... Anything else we want to talk about? Did you find how much Louie's worth? I don't. I... It's an incalculable amount. Nobody knows because it's so much.
Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast, uh, to the Louie show. <laughs> oh no, not the Louie show. <laughs> uh, if, if you've enjoyed us, you know, uh, uh, go rate us on uh, podcast platforms. That would that would be cool. Five stars for five Louis. <laughs> five w- worth Louis. as much about as a Louis. <laughs> oh no! Don't make the review as much as Louis because it's not much. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we should have. Uh, actually, next up should be Horizon Forbidden West. So we'll take a break from Pikmin, and then we will be back with Pikmin three. So uh, to keep up with the schedule and keep up with any updates, follow us at Safe Station Pod on Twitter. Uh, Connor runs that account. Connor, where can the people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Conifer SSR. Uh, posted some Horizon videos and stuff, so follow that. Where can the people nice. find you? You can find me at Dustin H Dragon on Twitter. Yeah, and like I said, we're not done with Pikmin yet, so we have, we have two more games uh, in the series: Pikmin Three, and then obviously Pikmin Four uh, on the DS. <laughs> On the 3DS. Which everybody considers to be Pikmin 4, I've heard. Oh, Lord. I'm not looking forward to hate <laughs> Pikmin. Uh, so, yeah, keep up with us there. Um, yeah, and once again, please remember to always be good to each other. Yeah, and take care. Bye. How dare you? I think I can calculate pretty much. It's a negative 10,001 Pocos. (laughs) Ha ha ha.